Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for episode two of Wire in the Blood. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's a... It's a fun episode, he said, hesitantly. Uh, is this one based on a novel? I should uh, I should have probably checked that. Like, how many of these are based on the novels? How many of them are original? Well, I suspect in the beginning, okay. It's just there aren't that many novels. And to uh, Val McDermott's credit, they're still writing them. Apparently, like, a new uh, Tony Hill book just came out, like, two years ago. So uh, we may have more Tony Hill to engage with even after we're done the show in a uh, nice twist, huh? Yeah. Um, Val McDermott. So let's get right into it. Uh, so this was based, this episode was based on Jimmy Savile. Uh, well, no, nobody knew about Jimmy Savile yet. Uh, 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 well, uh, partially based on Jimmy Savile. Val, Val McDermott revealed that the character of Vance was based on Savile. Oh, and the rumors about Savile? Well, who she had met as a journalist in 1977. Oh, so she knew what a creep he was. Interesting. Because Ah. uh, they're quite explicitly in the... Now, that's the novel. Quite explicitly in the show, uh, they're visually supposed to be referencing Richard and Judy, popular popular right-wing morning show hosts. Uh, yeah. But uh, that is, that's only relevant to the show, not to the novel. Uh, but yes, it is very much the Jimmy Savile story. You know, with his creepily preying on these uh, these young women. They yeah. don't make them full-on children the way Jimmy Savile played on children. Because, you know, you got to make it palatable for television. But, you know, that, that was Jimmy Savile's entire thing. Mm-hmm. This yeah. monstrous preying on children. Ugh. He got away with it for so long. Yeah, well, what she says. She said, I assume Savile didn't recognize himself in that description. (laughs) He was a deeply unpleasant man. He was all smiles and laughter for the audience. As soon as we were alone, he was different. He was... Savile was very much in the front of my mind when I created Jacko. There you go. Except Jimmy Savile's never been accused of killing anybody. No. Just their souls. Jesus. My God. Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so spoiler alert. We're spoiling the whole episode right now. It's the it's the TV show host who's the killer. <laughs> yeah. Surprising no one. It's the TV show host who's the killer. No, so yeah, that's exactly it. Surprising no one. Mind you, it... it um, that isn't the point. It's how do they get there? How do exactly. they get? And that's what the that's what the fun of this series uh, series is because, and this is the key part. Right from the start, I mean, I joke about you know, there's no surprise, and there's really not, uh, because right from the start, like we see this young woman getting herself all dressed up to go meet somebody in the country. Yeah. Right, and then we see the creepy stalker, you know, walking around the moors, and you're like. Well, she's not going to meet that guy. No, but he finds it. But he finds, yeah, he sees where the bodies are. And he finds that girl's body. Exactly. Is what it is, as it turns out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this, and so now they've got a corpse. And uh, we've got a corpse, and it was messed up quite badly. They barely, you know, it's like it's hard to tell what was done to it because it's been in the water for a while. And then they search down and they find another, a second corpse down in the water. And they're like, oh, okay. So we've got a serial killer, which means they need Tony Hill to weigh in on this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty funny because I mean, as, as you said, well, it's only in the autopsy there. They only find the one body and then the autopsy, he says, well, unless you've got like three, she's got what three thumbs or something yeah no unless she's got yeah a third thumb there's another body yeah, down there another body down there and then that then they and have... that's what forces them to drag the whole lake and find the second corpse yeah Ugh. Ugh. no it's disturbing it's uh it's a good lead-in though it's a really good lead-in 
Yeah, because I mean, and you don't know that that guy's the stalker right away. Of course no, 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 no. It all comes out very gradually. And honestly, it's a very well-paced episode, I would say. Oh, I, I oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And it has enough twists and turns mm -hmm. in it that you, you know, you can figure, figure out. Like, I, I, I mean, there is no way that when you are watching this and you're trying to figure out, well, why would he do this? It was so weird. Yeah. What he did to these girls. And, you know, and you have some red herrings. Of course. But when they find out, like that was, that to me was, um, I, even I have to admit, I, the first time I watched it. Yeah. It was the real, the, the backstory. I know. Oh. Was such a shocker. Yeah. Well, and what I liked about it was Tony's understanding that it's like, okay, well, there's going to be a history. Like, you don't. There yeah, there has to be a story behind what he's doing to these girls. There has to be, because they quickly find that both of these dead girls have the exact same injury, which is that the left side of their face was just smashed in with a rock. Yeah. Before they died. Yeah. Like, while they were still alive and they were killed sometime afterwards. Ergo, like, there's got to be... And he, we have a scene with him and his uh, graduate student talking about signature, right? Yeah. And it's like, is there always going to be a signature? And he's like, yes, because that's the part they're, you know, they have to do. That's the part, like, even if they're killing people in different ways, they're doing something that's just for them. And there's always going to be something they do just for them. Yes. And that's exactly the point. Yeah. And that's what the smashing of the face is. He doesn't, that's not how he kills them. You know, he slashes throats. Yeah. He slashes, uh, he slashes throats to kill them. So why is he, or is he smashing in the faces? And that's the key part that they have to dig into. And if they can figure out what that means, it'll get them that much closer to figuring out who he is. And of course that turns out to be exactly true when we get to the guy's first wife. Yes. Oof. A fairly brutal scene, I must say. Yes. <laughs> but the whole thing is, um, when, when I think about it and you're watching it yeah. and it starts off and you have the stalker and you think the stalker is after the wife. Yep. Because he's got a second wife. Yes. Well, they're, yes, they're a daytime, you know, talk show team. Yeah, and Richard and Judy style people who like talk about the news of the day and have people on to talk about their books and do cooking segments, you know, a very much. Re uh, and I again, I use the Richard and Judy because that's the British one, but it's a Regis and Kathy Lee type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those shows. Yeah. And they're famous throughout England. Yeah. And they're celebrities wherever they go. They're mobbed for autographs. And, you know, unsurprisingly, uh, women come on to him. Yeah, all the time. All the time. Uh, and uh, and we assume he cheats on his wife on the regular because they have a marriage that's an arrangement. Well, yeah. She's least... gay and has in a long-term relationship with her manager. Yeah. But they have to keep it secret again for the purposes of their careers. And, oh, and then that leads to something fascinating, which is... Uh, you get that great scene where Tony has come in to look at the threats. Yeah. That the, uh, cause the stalker is sending them these threats like clockwork, right? Yeah. And so Tony comes in to look at the threats and it's like, okay, this week we had three threats. These three, uh, week we had another three threats. This, so he's like three threats, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, and Friday. There's always a threat every week. And then he finds a couple of weeks where there's only one, one threat or two threats. And it's like. And I love that Tony's immediate, immediate reaction is, well, obviously we're not getting sent all the threats. Yeah. Because if the guy is this crazy, this specifically, he's not just taking a day off no. from writing a threat. No, you know, his hand doesn't get cold, get tired after he's written two of these threats. Exactly. Right? It's yeah, such a good scene. Yeah, the stalker is, is the weird. Yeah. The, the the weird part of all of this. And yeah. you can and I mean he killed their dog. That happens right at the very beginning. Yep. 
they get home and he's gotten in their house and killed their dog i know so of course they want to i mean he's that red herring that they want to um focus all the attention on focus all the attention on and yeah and he's got to do this and tony's just going come nope. on no he's like it's more complicated than you think it is guys yeah no this guy couldn't do th- why would he do this he's fixated on these two people yeah he is not fixated on young girls yeah like they're not rela- it's not related like there's no, no connection here yeah and, and everybody it- wants to see a connection yeah, because, you know, there's this violent guy stalking this couple, like this yeah. famous couple, and then there's all these dead girls. It's like, there's there's got to be a connection between them, right? And there is, but it's only that the the stalker, you know, kind of knows what's going on with the girls. In the, uh, But it's only because he's, you know, watched him so closely. Like yes. He's always stalking. He's always around the guy to the point where we find out that, oh, yeah, he worked security for them. <laughs> he worked as a security guard at some of their events. Yeah. It's you such know, a nice and, touch. And that's what makes it so. That's what makes it so compellingly easy to focus on him. Oh, yeah. Like, he's such a and good he, suspect. And he runs and... But he's just completely fixated. And when they find out that it's on the man, yep, you know, and rather than on the woman, mm-hmm. um, which is was their initial assumption. Oh, of course. You know, because that's usually what it is and where all these threats are. But the threats. They're all directed at her because uh, he sees her as a the stalker sees the woman as a monster who is betraying her husband who he's obsessed with and believes is his best friend because she's cheating on him and she's secretly gay and all of this stuff and so the guy wants that's why he wants her out of the picture and that's why he thinks she's a monster but all of the stuff about her affair and this is the key part all of the stuff about her affair they have not turned over to the police and her being gay, they have not turned over to the police. And that is what is in the missing messages. Yes. That they haven't turned over because they're like, it will destroy their image as this couple. And that's the key part because who gets murdered next? Uh, the wife's lover gets yes. brutally murdered. Brutally murdered. Excessively brutally murdered. And the show does a good example of, you know, selling... The idea of it being the crazy guy, because again, throat slash just like with the dog. Uh, yeah. So it's like they, they do a good job of connecting it. But of course, we know that it's uh, this guy is not harmless. He killed a dog. Yeah. But at the same time, he's not just randomly killing people. And it's all born out of his obsession with this guy. Yeah. And they still have a quite connected made the, they don't make those it takes them a while to get there it does right it really does you know and then they they take the knife that was used and and it turns out that it's the knife of his road manager essentially yep his you know assistant. he yes. has a um, uh he has a whole collect he did a professional cookery course yes and so he has some professional chef's knives and so it's a perfectly reasonable thing to think that he's the killer. And what I love is when they go to talk to him about it, they're like, uh, uh, you know, you uh, you fancied the manager and that's why you killed her. And he's like, sure, I fancied her. But, you know, it's like I didn't have a chance. Uh, like, what are you talking about? Oh, she was gay. Did you not? Did you not know that? How can you not figure that one out, Chad? And she was gay and having an affair with uh, the, the wife of the crew. And, the, and then they're all just sitting there bug eyed in like, the news. What? <laughs> like what what are you talking about no yeah and that immediately switches their focus of a focus yeah yeah because it's starting to get really bizarre yeah and yeah. what i love is the idea there that it's like uh a the guy is such a monster and so desperate to keep you know the um the appearance of this life of his that he'll kill his wife's lover specifically so the wife won't come out and screw up this whole fake life they have going. 
Well, that's the thing. And nobody knows it's a fake life. Like, of course. Like, and not even the audience. You, you don't. I mean, we've, this is just spoiler. Well, yes. Of whatever course. central. That's my fault. But, it's not until um, halfway through and we see them together at the home gym that we're like, oh, okay, this is what's been going on. The show yeah. does a very good job of keeping it, like, parceling out the information in a very interesting way. Yeah. And, and what happens, you know, it's just... But it was an arranged marriage on both their parts. Exactly. Like and it, the, the only it serves problem, their purpose for in both cases. It serves cases. their purpose. And the only reason he kills her is she wants to make go public. Exactly. And if he she could have just it could have just gone on indefinitely if she wasn't threatening to throw up uh, screw up this guy's public persona. Yeah, and I mean it and it's not like his his wife wants it in the open either. No. And as she said to her, her lover, she says, but we organized this together. Yep. We decided that this was how it was going to be. And it's not even as if uh, Jacko and the like the couple are sleeping together. Yeah. They, they, neither one of them. They're all fine with this except for the lover. Yeah, she's all of a sudden after 30 years or whatever. Not 30 years, but like 15 years. years, Wants to be open about it. Yeah. It's 2000 and whatever, two? 2002, 2003, so. And it's England, so that would have been a dicey thing to do to your career back then. So, I mean, it's still not great to do to your career today, but back then, like, you understand why they're uh, concerned about this coming out. Not oh, concerned enough to murder somebody, but you know. Well, I don't know today. I mean, Branow did fine. He and Emma. <laughs> they split up, and it was fine. Yeah, like the, these well, these famous sort of... couples can these famous couples can split up without sure, any trouble. Yeah. You're right, and they, they don't lose anything. But it's all tied that in. Is, but yeah, it's all but... tied in with him with his, this attack on his masculinity. Well, because yes. as we learn, like he was injured. Uh, he had to give up his football career when he was in this accident yeah. right? that he blames his wife for, his first wife, obviously. And what is not publicly known is that in the accident, they're like, as they say, why'd you have to quit being a footballer? Because your face got messed up because yeah. your face got smashed in. And the answer is, well, it's not just that his face got smashed in. It's that he lost his eye. Yes. And that is the key element, and that is what is forming the violence he does to all these young women. He's smashing in the same side of his face, uh, of their faces, their faces, that his face was smashed in the accident. Yeah. Right? And that's how he's, he's obsessed with, you know, brutalizing them the same way he was brutalized as part of his way of getting back at his first wife, who, you know... Uh, has zero contact with him, who well, in fact was... was so terrified of his violence that she divorced him while he was in the hospital. Yeah, well, you have to understand that he had been extremely violent, monstrously abusive point. their entire marriage. Yes, yes, their entire marriage, and she used the accident and the time he was in the hospital as a way to get out him. of the marriage, to escape the marriage and disappear. Yeah. She cha- did change her name. And oh, yeah. She did everything she could to completely, like, disappear. But disappear. the cops can still find her. Yeah. They are the cops. <laughs> and so Tony's able to track her down and get the interview with her that tells him everything he needs to know. Yeah. About what's going on. Yeah. And, then, and then the question is, how long does he keep them alive? And Because is he is lured time? away. The Yeah. The ticking clock in this whole episode. Is that yes. we saw this woman, uh, you know, come on to him at one of his signings, and then we saw, and the they red herring it by having oh. her show up at the offices, right, and then him having his assistant take her home, and that's the red herring they set up that it's like the assistant was the last one that was seen with this woman, yes, and the assistant, and that's exactly it's the assistant's the, knives, in ways, yeah, yeah. In some ways, he wanted to do that so that that they would think that he was the. The murderer, because he does know that the walls are kind of crashing in. Oh, yeah. The cops now are now here. Found. The cops are looking into it. They have drawn a connection between the stuff that's going on with the uh, in his life and the mur- disappearance and murder of these girls. So and the crazy he, man and the crazy man. So it's like, well, he knows. and that's why he frames. And as you say, that's why he frames 
his assistant, it's because he knows that uh, he knows that somebody is going to figure this out. Yeah, and that somebody is going to be Tony. Well, of course, but he doesn't know that yet. We know that. No, and then they have to figure out, like, how, Mm -hmm. right? How to get him to reveal exactly where it is. Because that was the great difficulty, is that he had to have a place, but his wife doesn't know where it is. Mm -hmm. You know, she has to have, she says, well, yeah, he has this place called his hideaway where he goes off and stuff like that, but nobody knows exactly where it is. Except for the crazy guy who stalks stalks him. (laughs) Well, and they do make the realization that it has to be somewhere on the coast near where the bodies were found. Yes. And that is a completely reasonable assumption to make, right? Because it's where, uh, like, he's got to be, he's not driving across the country with these corpses. No. In the back of his car. That would be incredibly risky. So it has to be somewhere nearby where the court bodies were found. Right. Because they were in a, uh, they were literally, it's not like he, it's not like he threw them in the ocean. He drove to the top of a road and he threw them off of a cliff, meaning, he had to be driving there with the body in the trunk of his car. Yeah. And that is a good lead. And that gets them closer. But as you say, the real lead is that he's got a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> That's the and, real lead they follow. And then to and then to get him to go. Yeah. Well, they don't want him to run. They don't expect him to run. No, they're hoping to use uh, to uh, that he will do something to lead them to it. And you get that great scene. So where they're going to talk to him about his assistant, about the stalker and all that. And they're like, okay, before he gets in here, I want you to load the place up, like load the place up with all of the evidence we have (laughs) doing that trick. We saw on uh, Criminal Minds like one time that they actually the FBI actually does, which is before you start the interview. Make sure the interview is set in a room where you have just every single piece of evidence you have against the person all lined up in one place. So they will subconsciously think, oh, my God, from the minute the interview starts, they've got me. Yeah. Like right down to the bust of the woman that they made to show that all of the victims look the same. Well, the thing is, is that they made the bust right at the very, very beginning. Yep. Right. That was an that was an interesting little twist. You did see mm-hmm. her create the woman. And she said, well, you know, it, some of it, it might be a little off because, of course, the damage over time, plus the smashed in face. Yep. Um, we can't so, be exact, but. And then they find the next one and then they know this other girl is missing. Well, no, they, don't they and like do a the shot where they because uh, like pretty quickly after we see the the bust we then see the actual woman coming to see him at the signing and we're like oh she looks just like the bust yeah but that's the one but that's going to be the next victim that's the one who they have to go and save that's the one they have to go and save she shows up at the police station yeah right and nobody will talk to her except for tony Mm -hmm. who sits down and has a conversation with her but it's when he finds the wife, of course, that he realizes what's actually going on. He just on here. looks at her and, oh, shit, all these women look like his ex wife. Yep. All of them. And, well, no, uh, and we get a great moment. Um, and I love them showing, like, the, the bit by bit police, uh, the bit by bit you know, segments of the interrogation, because we get this yes. great scene where they figured out. She's got to be somewhere, you know, I was about to say upstate, but no, on the coast, <laughs> right? She's got to be somewhere on the coast. We know that that's where the bodies were dropped. Like, that's where he's going. And so, and then they found out that this late, the, the new missing girl who matches the profile of the other victims exactly, he, she must be the next victim and we just have to find her. All right. They find that she got a train ticket out to the coast. Yeah. And so it's like she bought a train ticket to this city that's nearby and the question is okay but where did she go after she got off the train and so they're like we're just going to search we're going to send out the cops to show around her picture just like find any hint of her anywhere and so we get a scene where she's locked in this closet in this old um vicarage or i mean actually i guess it is really just a whole church it's a whole um church isn't it 
It's just he's well, living in the, the. But it's the it's the attachment to the yes, church. Yes, the attachment to the church where the the vicar. The chapel. Lived. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he's got this old chapel that's disused that he's bought and he's renovated, and so you, she's locked in a closet and there's a guy banging outside and we realize that it's the cops searching every house in the area, just like they were supposed to. Yeah. But she can't attract any attention from them and they not, they hammer on the door, but there's no answer. So they just move on to the next place. No, doesn't he answer? You know, what can they do? No, no. I thought he answered the door. No, no, no. This is just, this is the nighttime scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the nighttime scene where they're coming to look and they find the thing. And it's the next day when he runs out there and flees from town and uh, just goes to, uh, oh, God, the ending of this episode is so, it's just interesting and brutal. Well, that, yeah, it's, it's funny, eh? It's so different from the first one. Yeah, it is. It really is. It is. It is really, really different from the first one. You have these people who are just the epitome of normal, supposedly, with millions of secrets. Well, Uh, and that's the interesting thing, because we actually see Angelica in this episode. Yeah. Yes. He goes Uh, across to her. Yeah, and so we don't get much of them, but we do get, apparently in the book, he does kill her in self-defense. And check that. So this idea of him having a continuing relationship is something they invented for the show. Uh, because, which is, I think, very important because it focuses in on how obsessed Tony is with these people. Yes. That's like how much he needs them. Like he needs to become a part of their life and understand their psychosis and try and fix them. Like, and it's definitely serving a purpose for him beyond the simple, I'm a guy doing my job. Yeah, no. There's, I think that becomes clear else. pretty early on. Yeah, that, and because he now has a second one yeah. to talk to. He has a second one of these, uh, yeah, these monsters that he has now, to talk so, to. And I was going to say, and, and so far we've got, you know, so he had the first one was female, the second one was female, and Jocko's dead. Yeah, and what I find interesting here, right, is that... Uh, what I find interesting about that, uh, there's this great moment where he goes and he talks to the other killer, right? The killer that he's trying to find out where the bodies of all these children are. Yeah. And she specifically asks him, are there any other women in your life? He's like, nope. I'm like, oh, wow. So you're just, <laughs> you're not giving this, uh, you're not letting this woman in at all. All of your stuff about... Uh, all of your stuff about uh you know be the connection and trying to understand her is like no you'll you'll just keep lying to her you're you're going to manipulate her you don't want to cuz maybe she's in a, he uh is worried that she would react badly if he fa- she fa- she thought he wasn't just obsessed with her but it's like well, yeah, it's interesting how easily he lies yes all the time oh all the time yeah it's just it's hey. kind of interesting well, as does Carol a little, but because uh, there's a great scene right at the start where he's down at the police, um, the, not the police, oh my God, the courthouse to do expert testimony in some case. And then a guy comes out and is like, ah, the guy pleaded, you can go home. Yeah. <laughs> great. And you see him with this like stack of files he brought <laughs> to be ready for the testimony. All the prep work he did. And they're like, nah, you can just go home. And he's like, oh, okay. And then Carol's in there. We find out that Carol has been dating a a lawyer. And she does not want to talk to any and let anybody know she's dating a lawyer or talk to anybody about it. And, you know, lies to Tony about her connection to the guy. Yeah. So it's like, okay, there's there's stuff going on here. Yeah, well, these are these are complicated people, as we will find out yeah. as we're going along. I think, I think this one, because we do rescue the girl and she's going to be all right. Yeah, the bad guy is dead. It's honestly, you want to talk about a great ending to a character uh, <laughs> when Tony's chasing him through the field. Yeah, and he's just as he runs, he's got this long overcoat on, and as he runs. 
he's just stooping down and grabbing rocks. Yeah. To fill up he's, his pockets. Yes, he's pulling a Virginia wolf. Exactly. And he's just like, well, I guess that's that. And he fills up his pockets with rockets and he uh, pox, pockets with rocks. Yes. And then he just goes to the exact same lake that he dumped the, uh, these women in. And he just walks right into it and sinks to the bottom. Damn. Yeah. Well, he and went Tony, for it. Like, yeah. You can't say he didn't go for it. Yeah, well, and Tony doesn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. Oh, afterwards. Well, no, and I love the moment where Tony's just standing there looking. And he's like, because he's just chased this guy across the whole thing. And Tony, you know. He's not the kind of guy who normally chases people, so he's hoping to catch him. And then he's just like, you get that beat where he looks at the water and he's like, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> I'm not diving in there to try. Because it's like, he doesn't even, it, you don't get the sense that he's, he's even considering for a second diving in to try and get this guy out so he can, quote unquote, stand trial. Tony's just like, nope. He wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to end it. That's fine by me. Yeah, he's got that's, a right. That's all the resolution I need to this case. So, and yeah. that's probably all the resolution anybody else needs. Oh, to. absolutely. Like, nobody's going to question Tony for what he's doing. It's just when you think about, like, all of the times on Criminal Minds, right? That someone is like, we've got to make sure this guy, like, the killer survives to stand trial. It's nice to see a character be like, oh, well, I guess he's decided to top himself. And just... <laughs> That's the end of my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the end of the story. Yeah, not my problem. Because that's all these, that's all these. You're already getting the impression that that's what these are for him. Yeah. They're, it's, it's the puzzle. Mm -hmm. It is the finding out. Yeah. None of, nothing else matters except solving the puzzle. Yeah, he's got a mystery that he wants to solve, and he'll go to whatever lengths he needs to to solve it, but, like, the emotional factor of it is not connecting with Tony. No. No, he's such a fascinating character. Well, it is a, it is a different character. It is. It is a lot very, different than what we're used to in this type of story. Yes. You know, they get... Um, and you can just see him. I mean, he carries around his his stuff in a blue plastic bag. I know. <laughs> carries his books and his in a books. shopping bag. In like literally just in a shopping bag. Because what does he care? Yeah. You know. And he's got a nice little house. Yep. He's got this nice little house. He's got his nice little office. He's got a, this this relatively you know sedate little life. And then, oh. but his whole life, other than that, is just murder. You know? yeah. it's, these, it's these monsters he surrounds himself with on purpose. And the question is, why is Tony so obsessed with them? Why does Tony need this information? Because solving the murders is great, but he keeps the fact that it's like the Angelica scene lets us know, because you can make the argument with the other killer that he is just trying to figure out where these kids are. Yeah. But, but the fact that he doesn't need to know anything more from Angelica. Nope. Like her crimes have been all sealed away in a file somewhere. So the question becomes, well, why is he still going to see her? Yeah. And the answer is because he's getting something out of these interactions with these killers. Like it's meaningful to him. And well, I mean the, the, the ultimate thing that you would say that I would say and we never get the answer to this question. We never get the answer Not to really. this question. Not really. Is there has to be something in his past. Yeah. I mean just as he's obsessed with as he knows full well there's something in everybody else's past in his past there is something that he obviously wants to find out from them and Obviously, somebody has died in his past. Yep. And that somebody had to have been relatively evil yeah. for him to be this obsessed. But we never really get those solutions. No, we don't. Uh, by the end of the sixth season. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
so I don't know if we do in, in the books. So I guess we might wind up uh, reading this books after we're done the show. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'll probably start taking the books out of the library. Oh, absolutely. Because it's um, they're get it, it is so different. I've only read one of the books, uh, and I'm interested to see um, uh, to see how different it is to that episode of the show when I get there. Yeah. Um, and all of the books are titled after lines from T.S. Eliot. Of course. T.S. Eliot poems <laughs> and pieces. Yeah, every single book is titled after one of them. Like The Wire and the Blood and the Mermaid Singing, The Torment of Others. All of that is just like Val has found these little like segments that work as the titles. And so it's a nice touch. Yes. Uh, apparently she's got a couple of other series of books too. Like just doesn't just write, you know, your, uh, your Tony Hill, Carol Jordan books. Yeah. Mm. But it's definitely interesting. And I love the, uh, and I, I just, he's such a singular character. Cause you can say, well, there's the, there's the Sherlock Holmes as- aspect to it of a guy who is not, you know, super comfortable with other people and has, you know, these OCD qualities in a way, but like Tony Hill, there's, there's a gravity to all of it. You know, like, uh, the, there's this, there's this hauntedness to him that is not in most of your Sherlock Holmes adaptations, right? For, cause Sherlock Holmes adaptations are about how it's an intellectual exercise for him. You know, the way he's disconnected from people is because he's so smart that he sees everything as, you know, math and physics and geometry and how do things bounce off each other. And like, and that's how we solve cases. Whereas with Tony Hill, everything seems so, again, because he seems so haunted, everything seems so personal to him. Well, he treats everything. Oh, excuse me. He treats everything as personal. Like he just gets all involved in them. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Right. And and you're, and it's the show letting you know that it's like, this is serving a purpose for him. Yeah. And I think, I think they're doing a pretty good adaptation and come on, Robson Green's. It's, it's so um, much of it is his performance, obviously. Yeah. That's, I, I think I, anyone would say that. Yes. You you can't, that performance where he's serious, right? Mm-hmm. He just seems seri- very serious yep. about it, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. There's, there's just that wonderful extra level to all of his scenes that where he's just very, very bonus intense about everything. Yeah. <laughs> And you love it. You love to watch it because he's such a like he's such a compelling presence on screen. Like it's yeah. Tony Hill. There's not a lot of characters like this. I don't think. No. I, well, no. I'm trying to think of all of the other ones that have been turned into um, crime novels that have been turned into the TV series, series British, t- British, particularly British crime. Right. right? And, um, and I'm, it's hard to come up with a character as compelling as Tony Hill. Yeah. That, that what Robson Green has done to him and is, um, going to be really interesting. Yeah. To watch as we go through the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you get these moments of insight to him, not a ton, as you say, he, there is a degree to which Tony Hill remains a cipher. Because we don't get these big declarations about his past and what made him into Tony Hill. No, and he never really has a relationship throughout the entire yeah, he's, the he's, entire series. Yeah, he's very uncomfortable with people. Very, and, very uncomfortable. And it doesn't matter who it is. So. Yeah. No, and that's one of the interesting factors of his character is he is someone who, and this is uh, an archetype we do see a lot, and he's a great example of it, of a guy who can tell you why people do things but he can't connect with those people. And he, I don't think he connect. He really is. I don't know if he's really connected to why he is so fascinated 
Yeah, I think he's. I think that's a good way to look at it because I think it's safe to say that he's one of the reasons he's spending all of these times with these killers. Is he's trying to figure himself out. You know? I would think so, but even then, you don't get that kind of push, though. No, uh, no, no. the show doesn't I, commit to that. In, like that's our interpretation. The show is not committing to that interpretation at all of his character stuff. You know, it's almost as if he is he is so engrossed in this that he lacks self-awareness. Oh, that's definitely a problem of Tony's. Yeah, he does really love. Yeah. He, 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 he doesn't have that sense of self-awareness because he doesn't stop to think. He never really learns how to get along with people. Nope. You know, um, so he, and you can see it in these, in these two, the game is all that's important or whatever you want to call it. The mm -hmm. Filling out the puzzle, finding out who these people were and why they did what they did is the only thing that matters. Yeah. That's what animates him. That's what gets him out of bed every day. Yeah. And if he doesn't have that. He doesn't really know how to function. That's the impression you're getting right from the beginning. Oh yeah, right? totally. Mm -hmm. But there's always something because he was became famous with that one book he wrote before these books start. Yep. So, um, and an academic book, and so he's brings them into the class classroom all the time. Mm -hmm. And you do see him the odd time teaching. Yeah, and that is always a nice. I mean, so far in the show, we've only seen him working with his grad student. And spitballing ideas, but yeah, we'll get yeah. more of that as the show goes on. Also, a nice touch this episode: Kevin's back. Yes, she let Kevin sort of come back, except Kevin, of course, hasn't learned his lesson. He's he's a little better now. <laughs> well, except that you know, I mean, it's still he thinks that he should be allowed. He doesn't seem to understand just how bad a mistake he made. Yeah, how much he screwed up. Yes, and he somehow or another thinks he that Carol should just let him go, go. Yeah, just get back to work full time and just work at his own pace and just trust him to you know handle yeah. all of this himself. And it's like, no, you've got to earn her trust back, Kevin. It isn't going to work. No, no, it's absolutely not. But it is nice that like they show the passage of time, and it's notable. Right. And I think it's it, really notable for their relationship and how this is going to develop going forward that it's three months later because we know it's three months later because Kevin had a three month suspension. Yes. Right. And now he's back. And so we're told canonically it's three months later. And in that three months, while Tony was recovering uh, from his injury and now he's gone to talk to Angelica and he's gone back to teaching. Carol didn't call him. No. Hey, Carol didn't reach out at all. I think it's interesting because they like they do that little bit about her having uh like missing him and he's like, Well, I've got an answering machine. <laughs> he's like, I didn't leave a message. <laughs> but it's like so it's it's gonna be interesting going forward to what they say that these interactions say about their relationship and their characters. Because in the three months since she last talked to Tony, you know, after he was in the hospital, she hasn't talked to him at all. She hasn't checked him. She started dating somebody, right? Who, yeah. you know, feels way more serious about the relationship, uh, apparently, than she does. Yes. So well, we're going to get into uh, Carol's emotional stuff soon enough, too. <laughs> She's got her I own. Just... You think Tony's the only screwed up one? No. Everybody's got stuff on this show. Yes. That's, that, that is for sure. It is universally everybody. true that everybody on this show has got stuff they need to deal with. Yeah. They, and, they bring a whole lot of baggage. And the assumption is that people just bring a whole lot of baggage. Oh, yeah. To and I think it's a nice touch. Doing. Yeah. No, and it's it's part of what impresses me so much about the show is like the great work they do in these scenes with the characters. Like, again, like you said about his his bag of books and bag yeah. of files. It says yeah. so much about him that it's like he cares so little 
about the presentation of being an expert and academic. Yes. He's like, no, the files are what matters. It doesn't matter what kind of container the files are in. The files are what matter. And, you know, the fact that he sees the world that way tells us a lot about him as a person. Yes. And so he's got a few quirks. Who does <laughs> Right? I mean, that's an understatement for Tony Hill, but yes. Well, as as we will find out, but it's it, so far, and this episode is a lot. Tony does an awful lot of work in this episode. He it's does. not as strained as the first episode. Yeah. Their relationships are not quite as strained. Well, what's interesting is because, so the first episode, we had to constantly jump away to what the killer was up to, right? Uh-huh. And that gives the episode a very different feel. And the irony, of course, this time is that we are jumping away to what the killer is up to, but not in as sinister a way. Like Ooh. what the the villain does, I think they do a really good job of showing him doing all of this stuff that in retrospect is sinister, but you didn't notice it at the time. Yeah. You know, everything is fine at the time. Yeah. In like, fact, it's a shock even. I think it's sort of a shock even to Tony. Oh, yeah. That it turns out that this guy's the killer. Yeah. Yeah. That Because he does such a good job of keeping up this facade of who he is. Which, and then until he starts to decompensate at the end when he realizes, as we talked about in that scene, where it's like, oh, no, they're, they're on to him. They're coming to get him. They're coming to get him, so... So yeah, like he he knows the noose is tiding and he knows this is it. And so he, uh, and that's the scene where he kills himself or like runs off to go and kill himself. But yeah. what I find really interesting is we get to spend all of this time with the killer without getting into the, like by doing it. So we do spend all this time with the killer without getting into the fact that he's the killer. It lets us become comfortable with this guy's world, which I think is a really smart choice. Oh, yes. It, it, as I said, it's very different. Tony's never in it under any threat. Nope. So we don't have to worry about, you know, the threat of the week for Tony or yeah. Carol. That's not going to be there. Like, the, I, I think having the first episode was just so stunning. Yeah. And then this episode is it just... It feels so different. It's so different, but it's so complicated. Yeah, no, it's a very good episode of television. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, it really is a great episode of television. It's just, you are right to identify how different it feels from that first episode. Yeah, it's just, so you're going to go and wonder what comes next. Yeah. Really? I mean, that that is exactly it. So what's next for these people? Okay, we've had these two serial killers and they couldn't be more unalike. Oh, yeah. If they're you, completely different. Like yeah. one of them is this, you know, this abused woman trying to find this connection and doing it in the worst way possible. And the other one is this unbelievably monstrous man who is trying to reassert his masculinity with this brutal, you know, and trying to get revenge on the woman who made him feel like less of a man by just enacting this brutal violence on these women who look like her at the age when they met when like, no, when, no, they all look like her when she, at how when she, she, when she left him. Oh no, I thought she was even, Oh, you're right. No, no, but it's like, no, cause they were together for a few years. Yes. She left him. She was married to him for, Oh, you're right. No, no. Yes. Yes. But the point is like, she's getting, he's getting back at these women based on their appearance. And it's like a yes. very traditional kind, yeah. like that kind of toxic man story. The other thing we don't get though, it's is how he became that way any more than we do for Angelique. We don't get any long discussion That's anywhere true. from Tony about what like caused we, this. See, what he was looking for was the key when this started. Like what was the incident that triggered him? Yeah. And the answer but is his wife leaving him. His wife leaving him. The thing is that he was so monstrously violent before that. Yeah. And you don't get any of that kind of backstory. And that kind of backstory is harder, I think, to extrapolate. We 
could in the second one, right? It's um, in the first one. one, In the first one, you can sort of work backwards. In this one, it's harder to kind of work backwards because we don't have very much. We just don't learn that much about it. Yeah. Yeah, and that tells you that Tony doesn't care either. He's once he's found the trigger. And if the guy had lived, I'm sure he would have delved into his past. Oh, of course. But it doesn't matter. He yeah. found the trigger. They found the guy. And that's all and he needs to go decided, and get him. Yeah. Oh, and the guy decided to kill himself. So he's yeah. of no interest to Tony anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's basically. No, you're right. You get at the end. Well, yeah. Well, he's of no interest to me anymore. Yeah. Like, I solved the case. We got the right guy. He's dead. So, yeah, I guess we all just go home. Yeah. yeah. Leaving this ridiculous mess in the wake of it. Yes. Well, he doesn't have to. He's a consultant. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to deal with any of that. That's the police's nope. job. Yeah. To go and clean up that mess. Yeah. Which is a really nice touch, honestly. So, yeah, like, very. It's it, the show is doing a really good job. A and I, I don't think you actually have to like. This is one of those things where we have to do a lot of theorizing. It's like, yeah, oh. uh, he grew up in a, uh, like, he grew up in a an environment where at its core violence is used to get what you want. And yeah. spoiler and alert: he had an abusive football. dad. You know, of course. Spoiler. And then he and got. Daddy- a, and then by being a violent footballer, he got approval, external approval for his violent behavior. Yes. And I'm sure his dad beat up his mom. Oh, yeah. And he used violence to control his wife. And then when that didn't work, he started taking out that anger on these other women. Yes. And uh, and and Tony's not really much interested. Yeah. Like the details <laughs> I mean, of it don't really matter to Tony. Thing. Yeah, yeah, because no. it's not a it's not a hard character to profile. It's not a hard man to figure out why he was doing what he was doing and why no, he was doing he, it in this way. He was way. finding the trigger that was key. Because mm-hmm. when you find that trigger, you could confirm that it's this guy, and that's the thing that Tony needed to do. He needed to know for a fact that it was this guy. He couldn't have it. Uh, what do you call it? Like, and as he said, um, just the very facts of the case, like this guy who is so obsessed with the footballer, the stalker, right? Yeah. Tony has to dismiss him because he's like, it's just this man, A, like he has no connection to the women. No. He has no connection to the women. I don't that's care that's that not what his psychosis is built around. Yeah. Like his psychosis oh. is not built around these relationships with these women. So the question is, how could he possibly be the killer? He couldn't. And so you have to find someone who is more obsessed with that part of it. And that's the guy. And that's the footballer because again, the connection between how they look in the life. I just love the idea that, yeah, like the, the killer can, the, sorry, the stalker can be a psycho. He can be a monster, but that doesn't mean he's this killer. Yeah. Tony's not interested in him particularly. He's not the kind of, psychopath that tony is interested in well because the thing is like tony is bored with him the minute he talks about how like the minute he starts talking about how the footballer is his best friend and he sent him message you know it's like he would nod to me on his show and i would know he was nodding to me and so i would do what he wanted me to do (laughs) it's like the minute tony hears that he's like oh so the guy's just delusional who cares yeah, who cares? Yeah, I mean, and that literally is Tony's yeah. response. Like, Let's walk away from this. This is ridiculous. He's yeah, not, I'm not going to get anything of value out of this guy because he's just a delusional weirdo. Except that, yes, because he stopped Tony. He because he stopped Jocko. Yeah, he, he has was, the information. He has information. Oh yeah, no, and he ends up being useful. But he's like, he's not psychologically interested to Tony. And at the end of the day, that's what Tony cares about. Yeah, it's like finding okay. out more about the people and yes, probably finding out more about himself through these psychological investigations. And he's like, this guy's psychology isn't interesting to me. He's like, all, 
you know, stalkers are just stalkers. Obsessive fans are just obsessive fans. There's nothing I can glean from this. There's no way I can improve my knowledge base by studying this guy. So he just like, get what you can from him. And I completely dismiss him otherwise. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it feeds back into Tony's need to use his job to like engage with this dark part of himself. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think that's how it has to be read. Yeah, it, no, it has to be simply because, yeah, it has to be this 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 fascination with the serial murderer mm-hmm. has cannot be seen as. I feel like it can't be an arbitrary thing he picked. He didn't just end up in this field, you know. No, well, and not according to people like me who would insist that everybody who ends up in whatever they end up in, there's a reason for it. Yep. There's there's something you're trying to solve, particularly when you spend that kind of time finishing off a PhD, doing research, writing book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, because something has to keep driving you. Yeah. And yeah. once you resolve those issues, and that's the problem, once you resolve those issues, they don't have the same driving force. Yeah. Controlling anymore. And it, and and then what do you do with yourself <laughs> if you ever figured all of that out? Yeah, I you actually like Tony's in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Ah, no. I mean, if anybody needed a therapist, it was Tony Hill. Yeah. And Tony Hill's not in therapy. Well, no, I mean he has that uh he's he has the same thing Spencer Reed has, which is a belief that he's too smart to need therapy. Yeah. You know, I know so much about people. Of course I know about myself. And it's like, yeah, you don't understand biases, do you? <laughs> you don't understand mirror memories, do you? You yep. don't understand that you were going to run away from, you know, the the realities that you don't want to remember. Yep. Well, and, no, uh, I mean, it's like, uh, it's it's such a great thing where it's like, underpinning everybody's uh you know every uh underpinning everyone's choices and their sense of self is their memories of their life mm-hmm. but the more research you do into how memory works the more you find out that memory is 100 percent subjective and not accurate well it's because uh, like i don't even it's not that it's not accurate that, that this is where i it's argue. your version of it it, it this is like some some things yes you are going to think just absolutely the wrong way and i could give some examples of that not from my own um but other people and you just sort of sit there and go where did you ever get that idea yeah um how did you ever i've seen people take have focused memories of things that they have been told they weren't even there or anywhere near, but it's a memory wow. for them. And, and it's like, but, but I didn't even know you five years ago. So how am I in this memory? So how are you having a memory of all of this? Right. That's, you know, yeah, and it's, I, it's freaky. Memory is a very, very strange, strange phenomenon. Thing. I never trusted. Like it's, it's a question of yes, you can't necessarily trust memories as they come to you. Exactly. Because because you have what we tend to call screen memories. And I'm sorry. I mean, there are things about Freud that he did get right, but there are screen memories and then things get developed differently. And we understand that screen memories do mean that, yes, the memory may be a horrible memory, a horrible screen memory. Right. Mm -hmm. It may, and you may have figured that when you got to that memory, you saw everything. everything. Yeah. And because it's so bad and it's so horrible, so consequently that must be it. Well, no. keep your mouth shut for a while, <laughs> you know, about that and keep on in therapy because when you start to 
find other memories because once you've broken that thing open, yep. then you've you're allowing other stuff to seep out, right? Because you're keeping this stuff behind you so you can survive. And mm -hmm. you're it's like your mind and your body will not allow all that much out often. Particularly, it goes to dissociation, the extreme forms of it. But we also create these memories. Plus, my memory, like, like say I've got two sisters. Right. The three of us are over three years apart each, right? So there's almost, well, there's six and a half months. Like seven between you and your younger sister. Yeah, almost. Youngest sister. Yeah, youngest sister, right? And then my other sister is right in the middle. Right. And, and so, so we're all three of us sitting in a car with my parents and something is happening. Well, I'm going to see it one way and my two sisters are going to see it differently. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how self-assured you are. No. The your experience is colored by your own stuff and that affects your memory. And then having that memory affects how you then remember and use that and thing that happened that. to guide you going forward. Yeah. And the thing is, is it can be as simple as the fact that we are these different ages. Absolutely. We will just and you have different knowledge bases going. Yes. You had different knowledge bases when you were having that experience, so you all interpreted differently. So you all remember it differently, and you push it into your memory differently, and so you see it differently. It gets, yeah, it gets filed into a different de place depending on <laughs> who you were when you found out about it, right? Yeah. Well, and then there's that, but the you know, it's, so it is. It is very, very strange. Memory can do things. What it does, I would still say that facts are always there. Of course. It's, but facts are not enough because we interpret them. We put them in. We try to make sense of our lives, even when we are little, 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 little. Oh, absolutely. So it it is confusing. This is why I don't like people saying that, you know, your memories can be false or your memories can be this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, it's yeah. too simplistic. That you no, you're right. It's a much everything. more. It is much more complicated. And I will know. keep saying that all the time. And I, I always, it's there's all there's a point where I would say, for me, when things would come up when I was going through a lot of the therapy, and I would go, yeah, but it's not quite right like i'd always know there's a gut that would tell me there's something something wrong but i also knew when i got it right and um and i can tell you that some some of it i cannot visualize it, it is literally body memory and and I was older and it went into, it got filed away as body memory, not as verbal memory, not, there was no explanation, but it was body memory. A muscle memory reaction. That was so extreme, huh. right? That I literally got up and all I could do was pace until I got my therapist on the phone. There you go. And so, and you know, and there's still, and I know that I don't want the visual memory that's attached to the yeah, rest of, of me. I don't want the visual, but that's like this choice. I could go back into therapy and start ripping that part <laughs> of my life apart too. Uh, I don't think that it would serve any greater purpose. It doesn't, it's nothing that, and that's what memory is. Like memory is just so complex. You know? Well, I mean, and to bring it back to the show, the crazy yeah. part is there's no better example of that than it's like, and we don't do this, but you'd have to imagine that if you interviewed uh, Tony about his interaction with Angelica, 
and you interviewed uh, Angelica <laughs> about her interaction with Tony, I have to imagine that the two of them would have very different versions of what happened in that room. Yes, yes. And that's at the core of it. And that's what it comes down to. And that is why people who, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you need to listen to what other people are saying about you. And when you tell a story, you have to see how other people interpret that story. Because you are not the ultimate arbiter of the kind of person you are. Because we all live in a society. And we are defined by our interactions with other people in that society. Well, and it's the same thing as as I always... Like, what always gets to me is how writers are so stunned when people see other things in their in their work yep that's not what i meant at all doesn't matter what you meant it matters what you put in there it's it this is what you wrote how somebody interprets it and i don't mean that to say that the reader is the ultimate arbiter of of arbiter of what is written because each reader brings their own stuff to it and that's the point Yeah, and so they understand it differently. There will be some points on which you can agree, other points that you don't. As I said, I can't stand, you know, I I mean, there are things that I, yeah, I, I understand why other people like them, but mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't read those books. No, and I these are the books that I like, but I can understand why people are not, let's just talk novels and things, right? Yeah. So, you know, there is something, right? that you have to understand if you are doing anything. It's even with my academic work. It, it, it is It stuns me periodically, you know, what people walk away with. You know, and I'm not saying that you're walking away with anything that's wrong. Yeah. It's not how I would interpret my work necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, Yeah. It's, it is, and people know you as the person that you are with them. Yep. And uh, and anyway, it's very interesting. No, it's, it's stuff uh, that we're definitely going to keep bringing up because Tony's a fascinating character. And like mm-hmm. half of the fun is the show is trying to dig in and figure out what is going on with Tony Hill. And sometimes... How can he be so stupid? That too. All right. So that's that that's for episode two. We're going to be back here next time for episode three. Do you have happen to have the title of that one in front of you? Oh, shoot. I, I did. You closed it? I, it's fine. Uh, She's going to be looking that up while I do the rest of the sign off. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you think we should check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We will be back here. Oh, yes. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We're going to be back here next time for episode three of season one, the final episode, which is called Justice Painted Blind. Justice Painted Blind. Boom. Uh, So now join us back here for that. But until then, we'll say that's right. Au revoir. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She's got it wrong, everybody. That says it's episode five, but this is IMDb. Again, it's two parts. They're all two parts on the IMDb. But why is... Because they're all two parts. You just said it. Yeah, I know. But it's. I'm going, this says season one, episode five. So season one... Yes, episode six is Justice Painted Blind, part two. This is not complicated. That's right, yes. All right, so as we said, Justice Painted Blind, season one, episode three or five, depending on how you're watching it. See you back here for that. Until then, au revoir. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.